Aloha, and welcome to SUP FM, the podcast for stand-up paddleboarders everywhere. So with no further ado, let's get out on the water and on with the show. Here are your hosts, Nick and Simon. Hi everyone, and a warm welcome back to the SUP FM podcast as we complete the second half of the third season. I think I got that right. And today's interview is with Kaz Dawson. And Kaz is a paddler from North Wales. And this interview is with Nick, who recorded it back in December. Now, you might have noticed that we haven't heard from Nick in these introduction sections on the podcast for quite some time now. And that's because he's been working very hard on a new business opportunity, a very exciting one in Portugal. And in light of that, he's made the very difficult decision to step away from the podcast for the foreseeable future. So it's a great loss to the pod. And a great loss to myself. And the workforce here at SUP FM Towers, our thrusting HQ, has been slashed by 50%. But I just wanted to say a couple of things. First to our listeners, to say that we both massively appreciate all of the support that you've given us over the last nine, ten months since we reactivated the podcast. And I can't tell you how much of a difference that makes in terms of motivation and getting these episodes out. So I hope that I can continue getting your support as we move on through 2021. And the second thing really to say at this point is just a massive, massive thank you to Nick for all the hard work and everything he's done over the years. And also on a personal note, tempting me out in front of the mic. So, mate, it's been an absolute joy working with you. And I'm sure we'll get you back on in a cameo appearance at some point in the future, hopefully soon. So here's Nick's final official interview with Kaz Dawson. I hope you enjoy it. Hey Kaz, how are you doing? Welcome to the SUPFM podcast. Hi Nick, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, we had a, a bank holiday today in Portugal, and I've been working all day, which is a bit nuts, but yeah, I suppose to take time off. It's been a beautiful day here, sun shining. What's it like over there in North Wales? Are you in North Wales? Yes, I'm up in, it's actually been sunny North Wales today, one of those crisp winter days, which actually I quite enjoy. That's beautiful. Yeah, I think when, when the sun shines in the UK, it's the most beautiful country in the world. It's stunning, isn't it? No, it is for sure. And, and particularly my little corner of northeast Wales, it's it's absolutely beautiful. And we're so blessed to have some lovely countryside uh, right on the doorstep. Yeah, so tell us about your countryside, because I long time ago, when I was a little child, I went on the canals along the Schlangoschen Canal all the way to, what's that big, big aqueduct called? The Pontesilta, I think it is. Pontesilta Aqueduct, yeah. 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 And I was actually, funny enough, because uh, I've just sort of been doing a bit of paddling with a, a few different groups recently. And, and actually on Saturday, I met up with a British canoeing ambassador and paddled over the aqueduct uh, oh, wow. on Saturday afternoon. Yeah. They're quite strict though now that the days have been able to stand up and paddle over it are now over. 
And unfortunately, you've got to get off your board and drag it. <laughs> oh, no. So you dragged it all the way over the aqueduct. Because it's quite a big yeah. aqueduct, isn't it? I mean, it's quite a few hundred meters, surely. It is, yeah. I don't know. The, I can't remember the, the height exactly. But back in the day, it was it was one of the biggest structures in the world, probably going back sort of two, 250 years ago when, when Thomas Telford originally built the bridge. Wow. So what are the areas? I mean, do you paddle on the canal all the time or are there rivers and lakes and ocean that you paddle? To be fair, I, I really enjoy mixing it up. So uh, particularly this time of year, trying to find sort of regular water that, that's easy and close to get to. We always sort of turn back onto the canals just because it's really good. I, I paddle midweek with a head torch. So, you know, it's, it's pretty safe. You can, you know, get on and off easily. And generally there's a pub nearby. But the, the, I'll, I'll paddle everywhere and anywhere. So recently I've, I've spent time in the sea and time on sort of some of the, the lakes and things. But yeah, I really sort of try and mix it up and look for different different places to keep adding that bit of variety. So, so yeah. Did you mention there's a pub nearby? So that's vital for a paddling session. <laughs> yeah, for, for the paddling sessions this time of year, you definitely need a, a little something to, to warm you up. And yeah, when I was out last week, we, we all sort of congregated for, for a quick drink. But yeah, with COVID restrictions now in Wales, they're, they're bringing a ban to that, actually. All pubs have to shut at six o'clock after Friday. So I don't know how much longer that's going to carry on for. Well, yeah, we just locked down here in Portugal as well. So that's sort of putting a bit of a damper on everything. But it, we're all trying our bit to, to adhere to the rules and uh, try and get through this winter. But obviously, Isaac, I don't know if you're going to be able to answer this question, but why are there so many fascinating paddlers from Wales? Because there are tons of interesting paddlers. I mean, we interviewed Sean Sykes, who paddled all the way around Wales. And have you met tons of incredibly interesting paddlers? Well, I've, I've met Sean on a, on a couple of occasions, and I've been fortunate enough to paddle down the Menai Straits with Sean. To be honest, I think it's the, the country, the environment. It breeds interesting outdoorsy paddler kind of folk and I think having such variety and environments on our doorstep just encourages people to get out and if you've got that it's a real incentive to to become a better paddler a more interesting paddler and yeah the, 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 there's there's lots of people about that have set up sub schools that are doing really great things on on white water it's it's just a really exciting place to be yeah white water is a big thing in Wales isn't it because you've got lots tons of rivers and rapids have you What's the best run? Well, probably for me, it would be around Slangothlin and sort of picking up some of the, the, the paddling around sort of Mile End. I've got back, was it last year? I can't remember. I, I entered my first whitewater competition on the River Dee, which when I was out the week before, and, I, and I'd only just actually started paddling whitewater, it was, I think, two on the gauge. And when I turned up for my competition, it was 10. But I had to sort well, of Sorry, do a what bit does of that mean? It was high. <laughs> oh, you mean the, the two metres... <laughs> Yeah, two meters. Was, okay, so it's two meter thing and it was up to ten meters, so it was really yeah, high water it flow. Was flowing unbelievable fast. the amount of water that was flowing through. Mm. But I, I just had to grow a pair and uh, <laughs> jump on the river. <laughs> Don't people get very concerned about strainers? You know, when, when yeah. the water is really high like that, because it can be really dangerous. Huh? It can, and actually, I was out paddling over the weekend, and even though it was a bit further down the day, there was a, a couple of bridges there, and there was, you know, there's a lot of debris that kind of backs up, and there was a few logs which are sort of jammed, and things are sort of uh, blocked around, and you do see that quite often, and particularly the day, it can sort of fluctuate quite a lot in a sense. It, you know, it can it can rise and fall over a matter of a, a few days quite considerably, and you do seem to get quite a lot of debris, so you've just got to be a little bit careful. Of, of obstacles and different things. 
have you had any scary moments when you've come across submerged hazards or or the like or floating dead bodies or anything mm, well <laughs> <laughs> well, I could, I could, I could recall some some stories from uh, previous days when I was over in Africa. But no, probably on the day I've, I've been quite lucky. I've seen a few dead sheep that have, that have passed me on on a on a few occasions actually this summer. What else have we seen on there? There's some actually quite weird and wonderful little finds. So I actually bumped into some divers beginning of this year, and they were sort of scouring the riverbed because there'd been a really big flood that had gone through. And where I was actually paddling, that there used to be an old Victorian sort of pier, really, where they took people on boat rides and things. And the, the, the divers came out and gave me a, a potted meat little jar, which I went home and cleaned up. But this beautiful bottle, which held sparkling water from around 1870 from Chester, which is the, the town sort of just up from me. Uh, so I cleaned all of those up and they're on my kitchen window. But that was something that I took from that sock journey. And I also Brilliant. finally got got to know how deep the river was as well. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw that on your Instagram, actually. I saw those two bottles. I thought, wow, that was so cool when I was doing a bit of research for this episode. But like, if you could, let's go back a little bit. So obviously you went to school in North Wales and then you did a BSc in environmental science. What did you do after that? What did I do after that? That's a good question. Because <laughs> you mentioned Africa and I'm like wondering what happened there. So. <laughs> well, well, actually, my background. So I've always been involved with rural living in a sense. I've grown up in the countryside. I've, I've had a very close affinity with, with young farmers, outdoor sort of pursuits in a sense. And I was really fortunate back in, it probably would have been 2007, I was awarded a scholarship to uh, travel out to uh, Zambia. And I had six weeks over there studying export agriculture. So actually working on the farms that produce the likes of cut flowers and stir fry vegetables for supermarkets over in the UK. So when I was over there, I, I managed to to get a run in on the, the Zambezi, managed yes. to, to wrap down there. So that was awesome. Um, that was the first river I ever did as well. And it's just got really? me hooked for life. Yeah, it was brilliant. <laughs> I became a river guide after that, actually, in, in, in South Africa. But yeah, the Zambezi is next level, isn't it? It's amazing. Oh, it was insane. And the I think the water at that time was some of the rapids. They were they were sort of saying they were sort of grade five, touching grade six, and even the guys were getting out walking around it. And I came out of that boat a couple of times, and I'd say out of everything I've done in my whole life, they were the two occasions I thought I was going to die. Yeah, <laughs> it's well, people pretty have hairy, died, really. Yeah, people yeah. have died there. I mean, they got stuck in whirlpools below rocks and got sucked in. But how did you feel on the first rapid when you're just just below the falls? Yeah, you're yeah. floating towards the foot and you can't see anything and it just sort of goes all glassy and there's a bit of sm steam coming off or water vapor and i was just wow that was pretty pretty exciting feeling we actually interviewed a guy bertrand funnenberg who who went down on a stand-up paddleboard who went down the zambezi so that was quite an amazing trip as well i think he was the first ever to do that so, but i think i have to say actually i saw some of some of his videos online and it just blew my mind away from going down actually in a in a raft in a sense and then and then seeing what he was doing on a paddleboard you know actually to to run any of those rapids on a paddleboard was totally insane and and you know some of them he, he almost sort of carried it off and yeah it was just nuts absolutely nuts to, to do that he invited me to go along as well and i was like well um, maybe i shouldn't do that thank you I don't, uh, i'm kind of glad i didn't go <laughs> So uh, in 2018, it appears you went back to school and did a ton of work with marketing diplomas, coaching, facilitation stuff, and then certificates with British Canoeing and the WSA. What brought about that sudden change? Or was it a sudden change? 
it probably was a sudden change actually and on reflection the company I've been working for previously so actually I'm in a relatively new role I've I've just picked up a new job 12 months ago and so they call it a seven-year itch when you're actually with a company seven years and then it's sort of time to time to um, move on and I think I just got to a point where I needed to do something uh, for me again really so I've really enjoyed sort of work around coaching and mentoring I love inspiring and, and working with others with younger people so so that kind of happened and then paddleboarding came into my life I was actually really you know, I used to love horse riding I had a horse and, and rode competitively for many many years but uh, I lost my horse in a bit of a freak accident and then I was sort of a, a loss really in a sense of what do I do and I probably had 12 months where I dilly-daddled a bit and dipped in a few different things and then found paddleboarding and then yeah the rest is history it, it, in a sense it I've, I've sort of looked then at, you know, what quals I can get. And I've actually got my adventure guide assessment in uh, two weeks' time. I think it's on the 19th. So through the WSA, got, the Water through Skills Through the WSA, yeah. yeah. So I've, I've got a, a river run. So I was actually out last weekend doing a recce uh, for that run. Um, but yeah, yeah, I've got I a think... certification through them as well. They're great. But let's go back into how you found, you said paddleboarding came into your life. Can you remember the exact um, time when you first jumped on a board? I can, and I know Schlangothlin seems to be a, yeah. <laughs> a, re- a reoccurring theme through this conversation, but actually it was about 18 months ago now on the canal in Clan. I decided to just go along and, and sort of have a go. They have like a sub-social evening, so it was with Anting and, and Stand Up Paddleboard UK. And yeah, with a local I just ro- club? Yeah, a bit of a local sort of social club, and I, I didn't have any kit. I just turned up in my trainers and a a pair of leggings and you know off I off I went and it was I think just the inspiration of, of paddling with Ant who is you know an amazing guy when it when you see somebody on the water and you know what he can't do on a board and particularly on white water is yeah he's just insane and there was just something in me which which clicked and I thought you know what this is for me it's cheaper than a horse yeah <laughs> and probably easier you don't have to, to feed um, it you don't have to feed it you don't have to get up every morning and the, the rest was history in a sense. So I, I sort of went along and, and did a few of these paddles on a Wednesday evening and it grew from there and I took some advice and you know really stretched out to try and get the best board I could buy and the best paddle. And I, I have this like piece of advice in my head at the time, which is make sure you can buy the best paddle you can afford. Don't buy anything cheap or nasty because it doesn't matter what board you've got. If you've got a cracking paddle, it'll look after you. And I still paddle with that paddle. That's um, really good advice. That's yeah. really good advice. Yeah. Because yeah. um, so, I think a lot so, of people really labor on the on the subject of trying to get a board and they, and they look at every single board and then they get all involved in the detail. And it doesn't really matter what board you get in the beginning, as long as it's it's a pretty much an all-round thing and you can stand on it, I think. Because then once you get into it, then you can then you can find out where your passion lies. So what board did you actually buy in the beginning? Well, I actually bought a Fanatic Diamond Air Touring 11.6. It's, I think it's about 31 inch wide. And that board still is as sweet as a nut. And I still paddle it, you know, most weeks. I absolutely love it. And we were actually talking the other day about having a bit of a board sort out and, you know, maybe selling some and upgrading some and doing a few different things. But whatever, that, that board doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> You're hanging on to it forever. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. Okay, so you messaged us on Instagram and said and said the following, I'd love to share my whistle-stop journey from a complete newbie in May 2019 to launching my supplier school in January 21. And I was a bit confused. I was like, well, 
Have you launched your school or not? But it, you're only launching it in January next year, right? Yeah, so I'm I'm behind the scenes at the moment, doing everything I can to to get things um, set up. But yeah, it's it's something I want to run in a sense parallel to my day to day job uh, or my day job, and sort of look at you know how I can get out you know over some weekends and, and midweek and things sort of throughout the summer. But yeah, I'm just in the process now. I've I've been in some conversations and. I've just sorted out my accounts and stuff in terms of getting hold of some boards and uh, buying a small fleet. And then, yeah, looking at looking at really putting some packages together. But I'd very much like to focus on, I wouldn't say complete newbies, sort of looking at potentially women that have, you know, come into the, come into the, the, the support in a sense that maybe need a bit of extra coaching around their confidence or overcoming anxieties and, and trying to get them out really on some slightly longer, you know, river runs or, or building up some skill and technique bases with them. So that's what I'd like to do. And, and, and that's something which I feel, you know, quite strongly and, and passionate about. And perhaps as well from a background, and I don't know if you know this, Nick, but I used to run a sort of wedding and a event catering business almost like incorporating a bit of food and drink into the, the whole element as well. And there's a few ideas that I've got banding about. So That sounds like a great idea, sup dinners. I know I was interviewing a lady in the USA, and, and I think she was based in Ozark, so somewhere around there. And she used to do a sup and a coffee every morning, and then they would go out and have a sup and then have a coffee as well. But doing a, a dinner or, or, a, or a lunch or something as well, would be great to incorporate that. I think that'd be quite novel. It'd be, it'd be a wonderful idea. But there's a very, um, it seems to be a very popular recipe, you know, focusing on, on women. Whereas like she saps in, in Australia, we just interviewed her. And then I think there's something in the UK called she paddles as well, which is a very similar thing. So that's great because it's wonderful to, to, for ladies to get out together and uh, not have that big, horrible, overriding male influence, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I still enjoy paddling with men, but yeah, I think. Yeah, there's just something about, you know, seeing those little wins, those little achievements and really sort of you know, putting that confidence and getting women in a different different place. So, yeah, I'd, I'd love to be able to do a little bit more of that and give something back. And how about taking your corporate groups out and, and doing some, some facilitation <laughs> on stand-up pedal boards? Did that, did that go well, down I, well in the boardroom? <laughs> I actually threatened um, my team, actually, uh, for Christmas this year, because we've obviously got everything to be social distance and outdoors and, and everything. So I said, oh, I said, don't worry. I said, I can sort out some boards. You know, how about we all go out? And the answer was no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's full no. stuff. Yeah. So in your mind, what did you reckon the first steps were to take? Because I did a similar route back in, what was it, 2014, I think, when I started my stand-up paddle school. And, you know, I thought, okay, first thing I have to do is just go and get to know the area as well as possible and find out the best spots for people to paddle in, which it sounds like you've done. And then I had to go and get all the certifications and then I have to go to do all the government stuff. So what, what steps are you taking to, to get your sub-school off the ground? Well, for me, in terms of paddling, I was fortunate enough last year, I was doing a lot of training for long distance races that actually were cancelled. But through that process, I managed to cover an awful lot of the the rivers, the lakes, the canal, and the coast. And again, I'm just really fortunate from from where I am. You know, 20 minutes in as direction, that there's amazing different bodies of water that we can access for for all different conditions, really. So, in a sense, I think we've we've got you know some good areas that we we can explore. I've also been in in contact with actually a local outdoor education centre that they've actually got a private lake. So. 
I'm just sort of in talks with them at the moment to see whether that is something that I could use for, for some of the skill kind of work. And then, yeah, I, to be honest, I've just got to say a huge, huge thank you to WSA. They've been amazing. And I've sort of gone with them and I've, I've done sort of my adventure guide stuff, which I've got an assessment for in a couple of weeks time. So there's no pressure there. I've, I, I've got to pass, really. I've got to make sure that all my, my planning and my recce stuff's all, all, all spot on. I've done a little bit of shadowing as well. So I've actually been out with another coach uh, again through WSA and sort of shadowed some of the instructor courses that they were running. So I found that really helpful. But I think as well, I, I don't want to just sort of stand on my own two feet. I think if I can work with other people in the industry and in a sense, you know, I'm not in there to make, you know, thousands of pounds and, and make my uh, make my millions. I think for me, it's it's something to go out. It's, it's complete opposite end of the spectrum to what I do day to day. Um, and if I can inspire some people, if I can give something back, if it improves my well-being as well, I think it's all a really positive. So I'd love to, you know, if I could work with other people that are in the industry, if I can offer, you know, a, a bit of help, a bit of coaching, if I can be a standing instructor. I'm just, just there, really willing to, to do what I need to do. But for me, it just gives me that little bit of balance and variety in my life too. Yeah, and you sort of touched on, on stress relief almost, like paddling as a, as a stress reliever. And obviously, there's been a lot of focus with COVID and everything for people's mental health. What do you feel that Stand Up Paddle can offer people regarding mental health? Well, probably if I describe it how it is for me, it probably is quite similar to, to other people that paddle. But paddling gives me personally an opportunity to have an empty head. And we all have these like crazy lives and we've got all these sort of conflicting interests and stresses and strains and family and work and finance all these things are constantly you know fighting and, and trying to take our attention and one thing I can say is every time I step on the water within five ten minutes I have an empty head and I've spoken to a couple of other people that I've paddled with and they say the same you focus on you you're bored your surroundings you take everything in and having those moments in in the current you know climate and and you know the hustle and bustle that everybody constantly sort of tries to, to to run through really is so so valuable that time just to mentally switch off and I, I think that is a real gift that that paddleboarding can give I agree I mean those early mornings just getting out I love paddling in the morning because obviously the conditions are the best and it's just so beautiful to get out into a still morning and just break the water with your board and ah yeah it's it's really Incredible. But have you heard of the whole blue mind concept? Because for those who don't know it, it mostly stemmed from a book written by Wallace J. Nichols in 2014. And he attempted to throw some science at why we love the ocean and water so much. And I don't know, I mean, I think when you are paddling, you're going to have a good time. You're going to be mindful, whether it whether it's on it. But also, there's another element of it. If you're going out and you're playing rugby or football or something, and you're really enjoying it, that's going to give you a sense of elation and a sense of peaceful and mindfulness as well. Because when you're in a rugby scrum, you're not thinking about your grocery list. <laughs> so, so I don't know if, uh, how much that holds water, that the whole blue mind concept, but I, I just know that that's my little piece of heaven wherever I am in the water. So hopefully it is for you and everybody else. I, wa I wanted to ask you something, Kaz. When, when you said you were paddling around, you mentioned something about a long-distance paddling. Have you done multi-day expeditions and things? I've done a few a few overnighters on my local river and I, I actually plan to, to do some more. I've got a few irons in the fire for next year. 
so I've, I've, you know, I've, I've done the whole bivy bag sleeping on a, on a, on a river bank, and well, tell yeah. us about it. Where, where was it, and when did you go? Because were you on your own as well? Because it's, I went on my own. It's quite an experience. It's quite different. Well, actually, I actually went. I actually went with my partner, and it was actually when was it? It was actually around. Well, when, the first time we went out was over the longest day, so it was sort of middle of June, Midsummer's Day. And we'd had a beautiful couple of days and just decided, oh, bugger it, let's just throw everything in the car, jump in and, and see where we end up. So we jumped on the River Dee, which, again, it, it's not too overly exotic or far away. But do you know what? All, you know, they say, don't they, a, a sort of change is as good as a rest and, and just go somewhere on your doorstep. And we paddled down. The weather just came in from nowhere. They hadn't even forecast this rain. You know, we, we were looking on thinking, like, where's this come from? And we had the most torrential rain and we, we'd, we'd probably paddled about 15, 20 kilometres down river. It was pitch black and we had sort of no other option other than to pitch up. And we had our bivy bags and uh, these sort of squally winds that were coming through. So we were just sort of lying on the riverbank in our bivy bags, absolutely soaked wet, <laughs> soaking wet through. Um, so I was trying to sleep all night with my arm to sort of keep the tarpaulin down. And then we sort of got up at six o'clock in the morning, feeling a bit cold and uh, miserable and, and carried on back to grab a coffee. So that, that was probably one of our first sort of overnighters. But we, we've done a couple more and I've got sort of plans to do a few more longer sort of multi-day expeditions for next year. That's the that's the plan anyway. But yeah, it's it's always good to be out. <laughs> Yeah, because I find those the most exciting things. And, and I've done a couple just on my own, actually, just cruising out because we've got about a, a bunch of barrier islands here in the Algarve. And it's beautiful to paddle out there, even in even in winter when it's still and beautiful. And um, we don't get as much rain as you guys. So we don't have, hopefully, I've never had a rainy day <laughs> when I've been paddling. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a really nice thing. I think we always try on the podcast, we always try and ask people to get out there and do it because a lot of people just paddle. They go out for a couple of hours and then they come back and that's their thing. But going out for a night is a whole different ballgame. It just puts on a different perspective to things. And it, it sounds like your first night was a bit horrendous. Hopefully they'll be better <laughs> <laughs> from then on. But, yeah. uh, it's always interesting, actually, just having that little focus of like how much kit can I actually get on the board you know, what, what kind of ditch and what can I make do with them? Um, it's surprising what you can fit into sort of two, two uh, dry bags, really. So, yeah, that, that's good to, to live off the, the bare bones. <laughs> it is. It's amazing what you can put in a dry bag. You don't actually need much. I mean, we paddled all the way across the Algarve. It took us about five days and we just we didn't take much with us. We just took, you know, like one set of extra clothes and, you know, food. And I always think, wow, what, what kind of food are we going to take with? And it's not a problem, really. I mean, just take some oats for breakfast and, you know, some nuts for lunch. And, and it's weird. I don't ever get hungry. But we had a few restaurants along the way, which was quite fun. So <laughs> it's kind of cheating. Uh, but another thing is that in stand-up paddleboarding, so many people use stand-up paddleboarding as a vehicle to promote other causes. Why do you reckon that is? Well, I certainly think over the last sort of 12, 18 months, you know, it, it's raised well, its profile has, has raised hugely. So in a sense of, you know, it's a lot more accessible. So perhaps where people are thinking they would have done a run or a, a cycle, you know, paddleboarding seems to be sort of a go-to one. And, you know, there's a lot of people at the moment I can think of that are, you know, doing challenges or looking really for ways to sort of push themselves a little bit further. But I think it is probably linking back to, to some of those conversations we've already had around sort of mindfulness, well-being, thinking about what it can offer. And it's certainly 
in terms of you know Instagram things like that you know it's really been picked up as a I suppose an activity really that that people want to be associated with you know there's celebrities that do it there's a lot more of a profile on, on TV as well so it probably has just sort of picked up in a sense you know a bit more of a vibe to what perhaps cycling and, and running's been but yeah a lot of people are choosing the SUP as a as a way to, to promote challenges. And I think it's a way to, what's the word, almost not substantiate, but to, if you go out and you want to have an adventure, it might, might feel like a bit, of, a bit of a fun thing. And if you throw a charity on the back of it, and you can actually do some real good. And it, and it does raise a lot of awareness. Are you um, following anybody's adventures at the moment or, or recently? Who have I followed? Well, actually, there was, there was a chap back in the back end of the summer that was paddling. I can't remember the name of the, the route now, but it was sort of a three, four hundred mile loop closed loop which sort of sort of encompassed the river seven and then it went back around in the sort of canals and it's some historic sort of canoe route from the sort of 1860s 1870s i think that this challenge so there was a gentleman that was paddling that and that was around sort of mental well-being uh, and i i I joined him for a sort of 14 sort of kilometer stretch oh right do you remember Um, his name because i i'm sure we followed him as well on sap fm I'd have to dig it, dig it out. That's that's really terrible. But yeah, putting I've, you on the I've, spot. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know. Put me on the spot. So there was, yeah, there was that, and yeah, there's a lot around the sort of sheep paddles initiative. So the, there's those that I've been following, and, and again, just seeing the traction in terms of engaging with women and, and getting them involved with water sports. And then there's the current challenge at the moment that, that that's sort of been going on around uh, the UK. Um, I'm trying to think of his name. Is it? It's Jordan Wiley. Wiley. Wiley, Jordan Wiley. Yeah. yeah, Jordan Wiley. So I've I've been dipping in, dipping out, and um, watching his adventures. But I was uh, very disappointed to learn that he wasn't coming up through North Wales because I was hoping that you know I could have jumped on the water or, or sort of met him part of the way. But yeah, he ended up sort of scooting around the whole of Ireland and, and going up. But hats off to him you know this time of year to be doing a challenge like that and and some of the the squalls and the winds and things that have come on through and the conditions he's paddled in it's it's absolutely insane and i can imagine there'll be a hell of a party when he finishes but yeah yeah. i mean going through scotland in the middle of winter is going to be really rough i don't know how he's how he's going to do it but yeah hats off to him he's he's doing an incredible job i think he's done what two two and a half thousand kilometers really i'm not sure oh it's just insane insane yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we were just about to interview him before he left actually and we just we couldn't make it happen because it was it was a little bit too late but hopefully we'll get him on the podcast sooner or later if you were going to do a long expedition where would yeah. you do it where would i do it for me I'm, I'm, i've been really fortunate actually and in my job I've, I've i've traveled to a lot of places and there's a couple of places that that sort of jump back out to me but for me norway really to to have more time to explore Norway and, and some of the fjords and, and, and to, to some of the, the, the wilds around there. But also as well to, to get back to Iceland and a, a circumnavigation of Iceland would um, wow. would always appeal to me. That sounds very long. Have you, have you yeah. checked out how, for how long it would be? <laughs> sounds like a good idea. It sounds like a good idea. And actually one that I have looked at, and I have taken this one more seriously, Nick, actually, I, I did look at, I've actually got some quite close sort of links back to the Isle of Man. Um, and I spent a lot of time over there when I was a bit younger, particularly with like my young farmer days. And I, I, I iron it up. I think the Isle of Man circumnavigation is is actually doable. I, I know there's some there's some good tides and uh, currents and things that I need to contend with and, and plan around. But 
yeah if you if you get a good weather window and i think you know some good planning i think there's there's something there that, that could be done and actually quite realistic so i've actually been working with a guy at the moment a chap called dave from aquaterra and he's been really helping me and he's going to offer to sort of try and do a bit of coaching with me in terms of some long distance stuff for next year so watch Correct. the space like, watch the space yeah it sounds exciting <laughs> but the isle of man sounds amazing because i know there are like heavy tides around there but yeah obviously those conditions you if you know them well enough you can use them to your advantage can't you yes you can and i was actually fortunate a few weeks ago to have some good um some good days at sea and actually i've got some more training coming up in a few weeks again just looking at nav work you know out on the coast and yeah, I I hadn't realised actually how much you can play some of those currents to your advantage in terms of, you know, getting that bit of extra extra speed and, and you know, navigating sort of around headlands and different things. Um, and sort of just, yeah, playing with the tides really and, and, and working with, with that uh, to your advantage. So that's something I'm, I'm relatively new and, and inexperienced with, but I'm, I'm learning at the moment and hopeful that you know, I can be out and, and spend a bit more time in those environments. Yeah, and I think it's just observing the water as well as it goes and learning to read the water and just watching what happens. It's quite amazing because so many people go out and they're just oblivious of it all, um, especially learners. I mean, I when I used to take out learners, they would stop paddling and then think that they would stop. But obviously the tide's carrying them and the wind's carrying them, so they don't realize how that affects. But obviously learning to read the water is a vital, vital thing. But yeah, so so you, you're, all, you're all on target for January 21 to launch SUPLASS. Yes, I need to get a wiggle on. There's a few, the few little things I, I just need to sort of iron out. But yes, all in all, I think we're 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 on track. There's my website and stuff that I need to just sort of finish getting sorted, and you know the usual stuff with accountants and and everything you need to do really to try and do it properly. I've had some conversations in regards to boards, and uh, there's a few things there that that need to just get ironed out. But yeah, Have all you decided in all, on your boards. Yeah, yeah. And I've actually been having really good conversations with Fanatic. So okay, yeah, so I think to begin with, I'm going to be looking at getting four four boards. And for me, it'll probably be some touring boards. So actually something that does give, give a bit of capability in terms of some river runs or certainly out at sea as well. That, that's got a little bit more than just a real beginner's board. And, and then, yeah, going for something sort of 31, 32 inch that, that kind of offers a bit of stability. Sounds like I didn't get four of your own boards, four of those yeah. eleven sixes to buy thirty ones. <laughs> well, you know, I've, I've got a bit of yeah, I have got a bit of a bias probably, but I think I think for that, you know, for for what I'm trying to do with people, I think they would be sort of perfect really in, in those kind of environments, and you know, they've stood me well and in terms of, sort of you know advancing my skill and giving me the confidence. So I'm sure it'd do the same to to other people as well. Well, when those boards arrive, you must tag us on on, uh, on Instagram, and we'd love to. To look out and see those photographs that you get when the boards <laughs> arrive, because that's always an amazing day. I remember when mine arrived, I was like, "Wow, this is great news! Things are happening." Yeah, I think I'm more I'm more sweating actually of of where I'm going to keep them, and I've got to have a bit of a think really in terms of home and you know is is it a sort of a, a shed or yeah I've got to just think of a bit of a setup here. I haven't put much thought into that at the moment. All my boards live in the spare room, but that is just not feasible. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose you can stack four and put them in as a double bed. Huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used to leave mine on the car for most of the summer, actually, and it was like all strapped to the roof of the of my van. It was amazing, and uh, you know, luckily I had a good safe place to park them, but, but it worked well. But I'm sure you'll figure that out. And uh, yeah, Kaz, it's been amazing chatting to you, and lovely to hear about your part of the world in North Wales. There, best of luck for your for your sub school, and keep in touch. We'd we'd love to hear how it goes. 
No, definitely, Nick. And um, no, I really appreciate your time sort of, yeah, to speak with me and yeah, with, with getting involved as well with SubFM. So no, thank you. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to SUP FM, the number one podcast for stand-up paddlers wherever you are. If you like what you've heard, please leave us a review on iTunes. Until then, we'll see you on the water.